Welcome to The Thought Hackers, the show where you will learn how your mind works and discover how to change your thinking from leading experts and through inspiring stories. Good day, everyone. My name is Nathan Siegel. I'm here with my colleague Hamish Baston out of Australia, and we are The Thought Hackers. With us today is Alison Sutter. She's a best-selling author and contemporary spiritual teacher. She is acclaimed for her ability to blend spirituality and practical self-help information, making it relevant to daily life. Allison's digital courses serve students in over 80 countries. She lives with her husband and three girls in Chicago. Allison, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. Oh, good, good to have you. So. You've been talking about, well, there's certainly the, the spiritual uh, teacher part of it, but you've been talking uh, quite a bit about anxiety and depression. And how, how, does, how has that played out for you over the course of your life? Well, I think I started an active relationship with anxiety and depression at the age, the earliest I can think is probably about 10 or 11. And so I describe a lot of what will be a shorter story here with you in the book, but my sister was in rehab for drugs and alcohol by the time she was 13. And so I was living under this tornado for most of my life. And the amount of anxiety and stress in our household was incredibly high. And so the way it affected me as I started down this journey of seeing this basically constant stress between my parents and my sister. And um, she was running away from home. She was diagnosed as schizophrenic. It was just constant, constant trauma. Um, really affected my own view of the world. And like mm. I said, I was probably started with active depression around and anxiety around 11. And then so this lasted until I was um, pretty much until I was about 40. But this whole concentrated period of time, um, my parents divorced when I was 18. My mom died of cancer when I was 20. Um, I had very active self-defeating behaviors that kept this cycle going of I'm not enough, you know, um, constant anxiety um, way through college up until I can think back on um, behaviors that I had when I was dating my current husband that just were self-defeating and all this stuff. But it lasted um, really all the way up. And I still have it. I, I don't think I've conquered it completely. There are times where it ebbs and flows and I know how to control it a lot better and, and have a relationship with it that's not um, so embarrassing. You know, a lot of people who have mm. depression, anxiety, are really embarrassed by the fact that they have it. But I, it's, it's just an aspect of me that I'm learning to um, have a better relationship with. So. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned something earlier about living under a tornado. What does that mean? Well, because my sister's behaviors were so um, loud. You know, there was, like I said, she was in drug rehab by the time she was 13. She gave me my first beer under the stairs when I was 11. Like, it was just tumultuous, and she never graduated from high school, and she said, you know, the house caught on fire at one point. It was just, like, constant... Um, upheaval. My mom also was very ill. She had ankylosing spondylitis and rheumatoid arthritis. And so her physicality was very hard to deal with. She had a lot of pain. Um, my dad was a physician and worked a lot. Um, and so I started 
going down this path, it just kept getting, it was like a snowball in an avalanche and kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I had more anxiety and more depression and, um, and then, and then it ebbed and flowed. And then when my kids were born, I had postpartum depression, which also kicked off a whole round of panic attacks and anxiety. And uh, it's just ebbed and flowed. And it never really, I never found a solution that got me traction until I started doing the research and writing my book, Accelerate Your Mojo. Uh, that's when I finally found a solution that worked for me. Because it was, it was more than just doing actions or finding intellectual answers it was understanding who we really are which is just uh, you know mm. an infinite consciousness which is more which lives on beyond the physical being so um that's a deep conversation but it's one in which you can simplify so that you can understand where uh, emotions such as depression and anxiety come from so that you can shift them in another direction mm. can, can i ask I, I, I'm, I'm just going to ask allison if i can just take you to when you were living with it at at, it, at its worst, at its peak, um, mm-hmm. what what sort of days were you having? What sort of things were you experiencing on a daily basis? Constant um, physical um, tension in the body. Mm. Um, I couldn't have social conversations with ease. I mean, even in high school, I remember trying to, one day I had to give a presentation. I, I couldn't. I had so much anxiety and stress and I just ran out of the room you know I just like I couldn't even speak I couldn't have conversations I couldn't operate as a as a person because I had no faith in myself I had no self-love I only held self-judgment and my behaviors were such that I had drinking and alcohol and or uh, drugs and you know behaviors that just don't make you feel good they make everything worse Oh. And they just don't make sense, do they? It's just the stuff that you, the, the 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 thought patterns with anxiety are just. Um, I'll I'll just reflect quickly with my. I don't normally go into stories myself, but I had it many years ago. So it was. It, I, I was just interested to know what you sort of went through on that daily basis because. For me, like if I was driving in my car and I got stuck in traffic, I just felt trapped and I, I was, the panic that went over me was in, it, just so intense. I actually switched off the car and got out and just left the car in the middle of the road. Um, yeah, it's a fight or flight reflex, right? It's a, oh, it's it was incredible. A, it's, a, yeah. it's being, you don't want to be in your body because it just no. is so uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. I, I was actually, I, I experienced a bit of it a few days ago, but it, what really the anxiety was triggered not by my it, it just had to do with getting an email and mm-hmm. and and then going oh but i've i've had this before and i managed to work my way through it At courtesy of like one of the things that um you learn if you were to do sessions with hamish is a thing called belief change and so it was a belief that came up that triggered the anxiety and I really had to work on that. And, and, and it's some of these beliefs when they come up are like one could use the word anchor, but these things is like it, the anchor is the Titanic, and you're going down with that ship. <laughs> yeah, they're they're big, and um, yeah. one of the things that I found is why we can feel a differential, why we can feel the building of the anxiety. Um, you know, and it has to do with 
who we really are, which is these pure positive energy beings. Um, and so when we have something like anxiety, it's because there's this um, point of reference, right? There's yes. relative, there's relativity involved. You can't have a feeling of ill will or anxiety unless you have an active energy of positivity existing in the same space because it's called relativity. Mm. Otherwise, you don't know you have it. Yes. Yes. When when you said that you, you know, it, it, it's essentially gone, but it's still there. It's, and, and equally with me too. And we've, you know, we've developed tools, to, the resources and the, and the way to, we know that we're aware of that thinking when it comes on and we're able, able to change it pretty quickly. Um, but it's sort of like we all have everyone has that level of anxiety every day don't they it's i don't think it's normal if you wouldn't i mean you've got to you know worrying about things in the future that you might be planning a, a holiday or buying a house or something it's going to have some sort of level of anxiety but it's how we how it sort of sticks with us and and what it actually does to us to, that compounds even further yeah it's the degree to which it mm. I think when it gets really bad, we call it anxiety. When it gets yeah. a little bit bad, we call it worry. I mean, it's all, it's mm. a spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's where do you fall on the spectrum, you know? Mm. Right. So, so you were talking about um, you found something that allowed you to change it. And, of course, you, you got my attention. Like, if you ever wanted to hook either one of us, that did it. <laughs> and that got, that got me, okay, okay, time to reel me in here. Well, how I changed my own, well, how I'm working with my own level of anxiety, is that what you were talking about? Yeah, well, you mentioned something, a discovery that you made when you were writing your book. And it's like, okay, right. you got me, hook set, <laughs> time to so, reel me in. A lot of times the, when we, being human, we like to do things. And so doing has been our option to try to change. It's an external change to try to change an internal environment and even when we're thinking about thinking um it's a it's a laborious process um what i learned in my whole um writing my book was was venturing into this idea of what we call spirituality mm -hmm. kind of have to take you back just quickly when my mom died i was there when she died of pancreatic cancer it was six weeks from diagnosis to death and I was there the moment she took her last breath, the moment she went from being, um, you know, a physical creature to a fully non-physical thing, whatever you want to call it, you know, energy, whatever. So at that point, I knew we were more than this physical body. So that kind of went away and I continued to have a pretty tumultuous existence. And I did um, some study into, I tried to get my teeth into this idea of spirituality and you know, these very esoteric ideas. And it it didn't really fully work until I sort of made peace with the fact that we are these conscious, this consciousness um, that exists beyond time and space, exists beyond our body. And I had to go through all of these different doorways to make peace with this idea and to actually believe it was true. But when I learned that, I learned that this consciousness is actually pure love. It's pure, pure positivity. And that that is running through us constantly. It's sort of like a river of well-being. I put a picture in the book that um, represents this concept of a river of well-being being always present within us. And it doesn't go away and we don't disconnect from it. It's literally constantly present, even in the midst of a panic attack. Mm -hmm. 
which is new information which was new information to me because when you're in the midst of a panic attack or your anxiety you don't feel necessarily connected right you feel far away from well-being really far away from it but what i had to do was in the midst of not feeling well feeling anxiety or feeling something i had to um sort of play with this idea that the, the well-being that I wanted to feel was still present within me, constantly pulsating 24-7 all the time. And so I'd play with this concept of, well, if that's true, then I should be able to feel better in a relatively short period of time through a few thoughts or activities of my choosing, and it should get me there pretty quickly. And over time, when I say over time, I mean like over a couple years, I was able to do that. I was able to access this river of well-being in the midst of feeling not so good so that the periods of either depression or anxiety or whatever would get shorter and shorter and shorter, right? So I was seeing progress within that. But that really, you have to kind of have one foot in the world of physicality and one foot in the world of this other thing, whatever you want to call it, this idea that you're more than just your body. Mm. Uh, I call it love. I call it pure positive energy. So I had to be in the midst of something not so good and call upon this idea for myself that I can actually access my well-being whenever I want to, that this anxiety is just an experience and I can walk my way back through it, whatever that looks like in an individualized experience, whether I have to walk away from the situation of anxiety or I have to have a different conversation or whatever the doing part is, you know, I can find my way out of it um, in the specificity of this particular experience, but that that is true for all of us. So for those of us who do have those panic attacks and anxiety, it feels so hopeless because you feel so disconnected. But you have to buy into the idea that you're not disconnected, right? Mm -hmm. That you're constantly connected. And you have to experience by experience, work your way into believing that this is the truth of it, no matter how yucky you feel when you're feeling like you're disconnected. Okay, so let's say somebody came to you with panic attacks, with, we'll say, generalized anxiety. Mm -hmm. How? What would you say to them? How would you lead them through this process? Well, the first thing I would say is stop trying to get to pure joy. Stop trying to get to this concept that humans have that you can go from depression to pure happiness because you can't. There are too many steps. In, remember I said it with um, emotions or a spectrum? Yes. This concept of trying to jump into pure happiness, it's too hard for humans. We can't do it. So if somebody is depressed, and I have in my book I have a whole, um, I use a circle as a spectrum so that it, like you go from an inner tight circle and out through the circumference of the circle. And what I've done is I've just labeled that circle with um, gradations of emotions, the inner circle being pure positive energy. As you move out the circle, pick words that get worse and worse and worse. Like, I don't feel so good. I feel really bad. Life is not worth living. Do you see what I mean? Like the gradations get worse and worse as you go out. So if you're in the outside circle dealing with grief or um, guilt or something that feels really bad to you, um, you have to find a way, and this, when I'm working with a person, I would use their specific life 
experiences and circumstances to tell them to suggest ideas and to come up with something to get that they could do together based on their specificity um, to get to something that feels a little better. So maybe anger feels a little better than the hopelessness of depression or the like, you know, being like nothing is possible. You have to get to something that feels a little better. And, and anger is actually a more empowered feeling than the hopelessness of depression. Not many people call that progress, but that's significant progress. I'll give you an example. So my daughter, uh, who's 15, suffers from panic attacks. Um, and she was having one one particular day, too much schoolwork, you know, the, the life getting the better of you type of thing. And so she was like, couldn't breathe, couldn't breathe. And so we just, I sat with her and I'm just like, let's just breathe. Let's not worry about having to go to school or getting the work done. That's all going to work out. Let's just breathe. So we just were breathing and she could calm it down. And then we're talking about how things are always working out. And it doesn't matter if we don't make another move um, from this couch. You know, we're going to wait until we just relax and can find the next best thought that we can access, which we did through conversation. And then she got sad. And I'm like, yes, we've made it. Right. Because she moved up towards the middle of the circle in my mind and my the way I picture this to something that feels more empowered than the despair that she was in. And I knew once she got that momentum, she would make it farther up to something that feels a lot better, like hope or enough, you know, wherewithal to get through the day. You made so, an important point too. The sadness is not depression. It can look like it. It can feel like it. If you have enough awareness, you can realize it in yourself going, wait a second, I'm feeling sad. I'm not depressed. There's a difference. Right. So I'm talking sort of like gradations of empowerment too. Like anger is more empowered than a lot of the other more disempowering kinds. So you have to kind of gauge yourself um, in terms of how you define these emotions and these words that we use to, to label emotions. But it's all about a sense of empowerment and a sense of, um, it's, it's, it's almost like a sense of inner pressure. So the more you can relieve the pressure, whether you have a word for it or not, you know that the, the, when you're stepping through and the pressure is getting a little less, um, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but for me, it's almost mm. like a sense of pressure because anxiety feels like a constriction. Yeah, And anything, when, when the constriction releases a little more, I know I'm moving in the right direction of feeling better. Sure, anxiety, yeah, the constriction of not being able to breathe, feeling really tight in mm -hmm. your body. Um, cramps uh, can come on, uh, like mm -hmm. in your fingers, your, your feet, whatever. Uh, anxiety, yeah, it can produce so many things. Hamish, mm. what are your thoughts? Oh, I'm just enjoying. I'd like you just to keep going with how you. It's um, uh, there's lots of great stuff here that people. I'm just you know, listening to the process that you're going through and the understanding. I don't want to interrupt this. If you if you can just keep going with that, Alison, it's fantastic. Sure, I think one of the other things that causes a lot of anxiety in our thought process is the idea that we don't have enough, enough time, enough resources, you know, enough. Um, for my daughter in that particular situation, mm. it wasn't enough time. Right? It was like too much schoolwork, not enough time, not enough sleep. 
so one of the things that I do and I do with people that I work with and my kids and myself is I go, you know what? I have all the time in the world. And so that in and of itself, that thought um, connects like a puzzle piece to a bunch of other thoughts that I have practiced and believe in, which is my lifetime is an experiential journey. And even if I don't master any aspect of it, anxiety being one of them, in this particular go-around, who cares? You know, (laughs) I haven't, who cares? Maybe I spend this whole life having a relationship with anxiety and, and, you know, maybe I can take it from a really bad, hateful relationship, just one in which I have more understanding about it. But even Mm. if I don't master it, I don't care. Who cares? Really? I mean, it's okay. There is, there is something else to do with anxiety. Like, Sometimes when it pops up, like you were saying, it, making the uh, or, or talking about the idea that there's you don't have enough time, you can't can't do it all. And one of the things that I've done personally a, a number of times is when I encounter something like that, sometimes I could fall into the trap of anxiety, as you're saying, and and of course there's all of the symptoms that go with that. And then other times it hits me. Wait a second, I need to find out: is this true? And then I ask a question, and sometimes I discover it's actually not true, that I actually have all the time, and that I just came up with a thought on my own, oh, I don't have enough time without checking it out. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a powerful one. You have to question your own beliefs. Um, the other one that I have been working with a group of women on, and I think once you get the handle on this, makes so much sense, but... Because a lot of times the idea that I'm going to present is countered with a lot of what's given to people in personal development. But um, making peace with where you are, which doesn't mean that you um, let it be what controls you forever. But making peace with what is, is like, so use the image of a cork. Cork wood naturally floats. It's a buoyant property. If you hold the cork under the water, the only thing that keeps it there is you holding it under the water. You let it go and it naturally without any um, help. (laughs) Right. It just floats to the top. So when we make peace, like people who have anxiety often get embarrassed because they have anxiety. And the fact that you're in an attack or feeling uncomfortable makes it all the more worse. It's like a snowball rolling out. But Mm. if you can make peace, with the fact that you are where you are, it's like letting the cork go and it floats right to the surface. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to think anything. You don't need to say anything. It's like because this river of well-being, and I talk about it all this in my book, but because that river of well-being is flowing constantly when you let go of the cork, it's like you're integrating with this river of well-being and you will feel better um, you'll your perspective will change because when you're in the midst of something that doesn't feel good, you see things that don't feel good. It matches harmonically. There's a coherence with vibration, emotion, and thought, and what you perceive. So there is huge benefit in simply making peace with where you are, so that you can rise up, so to speak, like the cork, feel better. Mm-hmm and make decisions, choices, movements, pick words, you know, whatever your situation 
um, is giving you. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. let's say you're having a fight with your child. And, and then you berate yourself for having a fight with your child. I'm not a good parent. I'm, you know, I'm not this. I'm not that. If you can just make peace with the fact that you had a fight with your child. It is what it is. It's okay. This is, this is awareness, isn't it? It's yeah. totally awareness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, 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 is, there is another aspect to what you're talking about, which is there's, there's acceptance. There's also another component. When, when the anxiety, the pain, it gets so severe that you just can't hold on to it anymore and you let go. So letting yeah. go are two words for to describe it. The other word for it is surrender. Right. Just simply saying it is what it is and it's okay. Yeah, mm. pretty much. I like, I like the way you've put the word peace next to it as well. Peace with where you're at. Yeah, you can do this with any situation mm. at any point. You can do it with family members, relationships, financial, mm. uh, physicality, health, illness, you know, like anything that you want to talk about. The other thing that's popping up in my head, so I want to see if we can explore it, is um, <laughs> this is a big idea, and let's see if you can, if I can explain it so that it's simplistic. But humanity lives in a world where negativity is bad, and we deem things negative to give ourselves a perspective that it's bad. Yes. Like having anxiety is bad. Yeah. Right. That's there's, there's the two are in cahoots in a sentence yes. quite often. If and when a person can shift their perspective to examine experiences without the gift of linguistics, being able to label something, mm -hmm. you can get to the point at which you understand it, it, it isn't, quote unquote, bad. It is simply an experience that in and of itself has full value. Mm. I like that. So, that's a big one. That's a big. That's a, a big, big, one. big, big. It's a big rock to try to pick up, because there's a lot that we can look at, mm. that we go, no, 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 no. Don't want. Don't like. You know, can't have that. Ooh, that's bad. And then we talk about it with each other in our friendship groups and over coffee and at a wine party, and we're like, oh, bad, 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 bad. And we perpetuate this paradigm that this mm. is good and this is bad. I look at this, I feel good. I look at this, I feel bad. I lost all my money. Terrible. I got a million dollars. Ooh, lucky one. Right? And there's the other aspect of the wine part, which refers to literally whining. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to get to the point where anxiety isn't your um, boogeyman, you know, chasing you around all the time. Mm. You need to get to a point where you can look at the experience of having a separation from pure positive energy as an experience in and of itself without making it the thing that you're making it. Because we create the reality of our lives. We create the experiences of our lives. We create the perspective of our lives. You know, We are the creator of this experience. And so 
we've simply been trained by each other, by parents, by the fact that we keep regurgitating this crap. Yes. You know, that this is good and this is bad and you're lucky and you're unlucky. And, you know, it's like I've gotten to the point where I recognize that I may have this relationship with anxiety for a little while. But I don't get rid of, quote unquote, get rid of it. It's cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wow, I have I have gone into that place now. With you. I didn't think I would, <laughs> but really thinking about what you're saying, it's so true. That's um. I think you yeah. I, I the, think the, you've the, been converted, the... Hamish. It's too late. <laughs> no, it's it's I, it's so true. The 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 reality the reality that we create from the beliefs that we've um you know the the stuff that we've filtered through life and the beliefs we create from them to create the world that we're in. Yeah, so, um, there's so many ways of looking at the anxiety thing, and like you were saying, the um, acceptance is one way, surrender is another way, or letting go, um, dialoguing with it, as I think you mentioned earlier, like questioning it. So many different ways, and there isn't any one way. No, and what I found helps me is just telling people I have it. You know, because I go into situations. Oh I don't yeah, like that crowds. helps. That helps yeah. for sure. Absolutely. I don't yeah. like big gatherings. They cause me to be very anxious. I don't like the noise. I don't like the fact of making chitty chatty conversation. So I had to go to a teacher parent teacher gathering thing, and I'm like, oh boy, you don't feel so good. And then I was just telling, I'm like, this makes me really uncomfortable. I need to leave the room. Like it gives me anxiety. I'm out of here for a second. You know, just being like, eh, this is what it is. I'm going to take care of it. I'll be back. Yeah, that's a really good thing to do. Couldn't agree with you more. When you Sometimes when you name things like that and you just say, hey, I'm, I'm feeling like, uh, oh, so, like I just got run over or something and I, I need to take care of it and just, just do it. Yeah, and the other thing is if, if you, you can do that in two environments. You can do it in the environment where you know it's safe or you could do it in an environment where you know it's not safe. And people are going, ah, oh, what are you talking about? Yeah. Just get over it. Da, 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 da. You know, <laughs> you can get to a place where you can say your truth and not have those um, barbs sting when they come. Yeah. It, that, it, what you're talking about, in my experience at least, that, that takes practice. You can do it over time. And it's just my experience with it. Yeah, you got to train yourself to love yourself just as you are. Mm. I love myself with all the stuff that I'm dragging along. And including being able to go into those difficult or unsupportive environments, and if something is wrong, to be able to say it, and, it's, and if somebody c criticizes you for it, it's just like, hey, tough. I'm leaving. Yeah. See you later. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Take yeah. care of me today. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I keep reflecting on one thing you said a little earlier, Alison, where you, like, you've learnt to look at the big picture um, and even, like, you know, it's what it is and you're okay with it and, uh, you know, looking into that future and whatever it is. Um, so many people, when they, with the anxiety, that is, that creates even a deeper fear of the unknown, what could happen, what is out there. But you said... When you were working with helping your daughter, 
um, I think you said it around that, around that point, that um, just getting to the point that we learn how to get through each day and just and, and when we can do that and bring it back down to that point where it's not such a big picture, it's not so overwhelming and such a – my life with this is just going to be so disastrous, but to be able to get to that point of each day – that you are learning the tools and, and clearly these tools, the, uh, the stuff you've got in your book is going to teach people that stuff to, to get to that each day is, and just looking at each day, maybe each hour, maybe, and just developing it and growing from there that eventually you'll get to the point like yourself. When you look at the big picture, it's not a problem. You laugh at it. Well, you know, one of the things that caused me anxiety was big goals. People were like, oh, you got to set it really far on. You got to set really big goals. I'm like, no, I can't. I can't do that. Talk about anxiety. Give me a break. So I just stopped buying into the shoulds and the woods and the you need to do this because I said so. I'm like, screw you. I can't. (laughs) And my life is going to be wonderful even if I don't know what you think I should do. So I had to back away from doing things I thought I should do because everyone else was doing it. They're like, goals, 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 success magazine, goals, this magazine. Like, no. And I worked my way back. I'm like, there's a thing I call the threshold of believability. Like if you got, if you're into goal setting, great, fine. If it works for you, perfect. If you're like, if you want to use that terminology, you're like, okay, I got this big goal. Can I do it in six years? You're like, yeah. Can I do it in three years? Yeah. Can I do it in two years? You're like, oh, it's like you've crossed this threshold of believability And you're going to slow yourself way down because you're riddled with doubt, right? Mm. And along come fear, his big brother, and there's, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these other emotions. So you got to stay in this place where you feel good, where you feel like your inner vibration is not going to be what brings you down. And so I kept playing with this. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that because it doesn't work for me. What can I do? And I kept bringing myself back. And I'm like, (laughs) and I found myself in the present moment. Like, all I can really do is manage this second and now this second and this second and this second. As long as I feel good in a string of consecutive seconds, I'm going to be okay. Mm. I'm going to make it. So I bring my daughter back to this moment of now. I'm like, screw school. Screw the homework. Let's just, just, everything will work. And I've trained them over time to know that everything is working out for us, even when we don't know how or can't see how. And so they've been able to navigate and negotiate um, difficult situations for the most part to see beyond the, what looks like a catastrophe to see the bigger picture. But really, if I can, if I can bring myself to the beauty of one moment and then do it again and again and again, like a movie strip, like film strip Mm. uh, pieces, and I also often think of Disney, you know, how he put uh, Mickey Mouse on the pieces of paper and then he flipped the pieces of paper and all he changed in each piece of paper was one small thing. Yes. But when you string it together, it looks like a lot of movement. That's how I think of it. I'm like, one small mm. thing, one small thing, one small thing. That's all I can manage. But it makes mm. a beautiful movie in the end. Mm. And what, what happens when you have those... What those little small things that you keep achieving and getting the, the 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 outcomes that you want from them, you're creating the proof in your mind that you can do these things, and and you're equally, you start to uh, it creates in your mind that really it, it, this works, what I'm doing works, and eventually you're just going to be able to create these big habits. Yeah, 
it's all going to string string out, like you said, that you've developed a very strong habit of if I do these little things in these circumstances, I'll get these results. Yeah, and you have to you have to train yourself to know that everything is always working out for you, even when you can't see how. Mm. You have to just know. So I was talking to a group of women today, and we were talking about, um, you know, many things. One of them being the unknown, and the unknown is literally the unknown. Because when <laughs> we try to put together an image of something, the only thing we have to pull on is the resources from the past. The future is unknown. You do not know it. You're never going to know it. So you have to get used to the fact that you don't know what the future holds. You cannot even imagine it because what you're conjuring up are the remnants of the past. So you got to make peace with that. But you also have to bridge that with the idea that things are always working out for me. I'm going to be okay. I'm always going to be okay. Because guess what? Things are going to go up. Things are going to go down. This is the rhythm of life. It is the way it is. I mean, people try to, I hate these things that go, live fearlessly. I'm like, really? Come on. <laughs> Fear is a crayon in the package of rainbow crayons, right? It's a color on the spectrum. And you can't just go, I don't need blue today. I don't like blue. Live blue. Live blue free. You'd be like, what? Blue is a critical color. Why would you want to get rid of it? You just yeah. have to understand it. You have to learn to play with it. You have to learn what it colors. It's like also like... You know, I, I look at fear and anxiety and all of these this, these um, emotions on the spectrum the same way that you do your fingertips. Like, do you want to cut them off so you can stick your hand on the stove and burn your flesh? No. You want to know when you're out of alignment. You want to know when your thinking is off. You want to know when you've separated yourself from this pure positive energy. Why? So you can get back. It's, a, it's data collection. Mm. I saw this fantastic TED Talk the other day. And the woman talks about emotions as data collection. I've been saying that for years. It's in my book. I'm like, emotions are data. They're feedback data. That's yeah. it. They're, yeah. not, <laughs> they're not a way to punish yourself. They're not a signal of your worthiness or unworthiness. They're simply data. The same way your mm -hmm. gas gauge is data in your car. You want to know when you're on empty. Great way of looking at it. <laughs> love it love it so many so many nice little tools for people for our audience to uh, a lot of thinking going on here for, for a lot of people I think it's um, and, and really connecting with what you're saying it's like why I've been feeling this way and when you put it in that context and the way you're explaining it to see it and feel it whatever it's like yeah I get it now so. It takes yeah, it takes a lot of time to just work through it this does. your awareness. It takes it does. It yeah. does take a lot of time. And and like you said, sometimes you have to figure it out in a way that works for you. And also when you were talking about the goal setting, yeah, yeah, I get that. I, I get exactly what you mean. You set too big of a goal and it sets off major anxiety and you can't function. No, and what good is that? It's like but it it's but the thing is my biggest um, drum or my loudest drum that I'm beating as a teacher is that students need to follow their inner guidance system and ignore everything else. Follow your intuitive guidance because guess what? Nobody else knows your most accelerated path to get to the thing that you want to experience. Nobody does. Yep, it's true. So, you know, gone with the days of the guru. They're out. 
It's mm. all about, you know, inner guidance now. No shortage of gurus out there. It, 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 it's something that's been interesting, at least in some of the marketing forums. I've been discovering that a lot of the so-called gurus, um, well, they don't have the creds. They're really good at telling a story. But if you question them really closely, you discover that there's nothing there except smoke and mirrors. Well, the so there's a lot of good information. Sure, we can dig through all of the information. But when it comes down to it, the thing is, our our inner guidance system, which is our connection with our non-physical aspect of us, which is I call source, yeah, knows the fastest, most accelerated path. And that's what I refer. That's mojo to me is like this inner source of well-being. This consciousness that is you. Um, it knows your most accelerated path to get to the experiences that you want. It's telling you through your intuitive guidance, which are called, hi, I like that idea. That feels really good. Like that's your intuitive guidance. Um, it's leading you down the fastest path. Your neighbor, not leading you down the fastest path. Your business coach, not leading you down the fastest path. I'm sorry. The guy you just saw on you know, TV, not leading you down the fastest path for you as an individual because nobody knows your unique story more than you do and your inner guidance is trying to tell you hey look Nathan Hamish it's over here and I'm going to tell you how to get there by following the feelings that feel exciting interesting curious you know yeah. um, fun yeah so for those who have been listening to us here where would they get more information about you they can go just go to my website. It's all there, which is www.living360coaching. C is in Charlie, coaching.com. Cool. Yeah. Are there any email contacts or just the, the website oh, yeah. itself? It's, it's, it, the website has it all. It's got like, where to find my classes. It's got a free, you can join a free Accelerate Your Mojo class where I lead you through step one and tell you a bunch of different. Make sure the class is right for you, and yada yada yada. And there's some, it's all there. Okay, we'll get that. We'll get those links up for people to click on too. Thank you. Um, I'll be. I'm going to have a look at that uh, that class too. It sounds very interesting. So. Yeah. So thank you very very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Alison. So for those of you who have been listening to us, my name is Nathan Siegel. I'm here with my colleague, Hamish Bastin, out of Australia. We're the Thought Hackers. With us today has been Alison Sutter. Thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Thought Hackers. And regardless of where you are on your journey, whether you would like to be a guest and share your story, or if you are still living with pain each day, please get in touch and we will help you where we can. Simply send an email to hamish at thethoughthackers.com.